Welcome to another episode of the LeafCast. Takes by Leaf for Leaf. Yo, I want to welcome back the audience again. Um, it feels like every day is a crazy day. There's always just one more thing that you thought would never happen, happens. Um, before we go any further, I'll talk about some of the kind of contrived things that are out there. So, as all of the real things that we are seeing as it relates to the pandemic, as it relates to the economy, um, as it relates to the brutality that black people must endure every day, have endured for the over the last 400 years. All these things are going on, but the president would like you to focus on other things, right? Because he's not on the right side of any of the topics that we listed, so he's got to throw out something else for you to focus on. So I just want to read you a tweet from the president. The United States of America trained and deployed our heroes on these hallowed grounds and won two world wars. Therefore, my administration will not even consider the renaming of these magnificent and fabled military institutions. Our history as the greatest nation in the world will not be tampered with. Respect our military. What? What are you talking like? So again, there's a pandemic. There's a literally an economic meltdown. We're in a recession, so let's not even joke about that. We're at at least 13% unemployment, probably higher. And black people are getting killed on video. And this dude wants to start an argument about the naming of military bases. So just to give you a little context here, previously the US military said, hey, you know what? We're gonna consider renaming some of these bases because why would we name the bases after Confederate generals? Here's the thing that I wanna make sure, and sometimes you know people have different takes about things and everybody can, you can feel, you can feel any type of way you want. But I think objective facts are, are fun to use. There was a civil war. The South lost. The Confederacy lost. If you look at that more, just more globally, and you just think about it, there was an insurrection. The insurrection was put down. And these dudes lost. So in some respects, you can list the Confederacy as traitors to the United States of America. You can call them terrorists. But what I find hard is to consider any of these Confederate generals to somehow be heroes of America. If Trump was from the South or had, you know, some you know, family from the South or something along those lines, you know, maybe you could be more sympathetic to this weird fixation that he has displayed throughout his presidency about protecting Confederate landmarks. 
So it's really a weird thing that the president has in terms of the Confederacy. I don't know what, why. I don't know, maybe he thought like the uniforms were cool. I don't get it. But it's been a thing that he likes to come back to. And so now when shit is kind of going out of hand, it's like, hey, let's go back to like, again, you hear this stuff about the Confederacy throws out. You know, he challenged Drew Brees about kneeling again. Like he's, he's very concerned about kneeling at the national anthem. You know, everything else, but like the shit that's really going on. Um, you see his press secretary, you know, she reiterated that the president wouldn't support it in terms of removing the names of uh, Confederate names on these military bases and likened it to HBO Max, temporarily removing the movie Gone with the Wind from his programming over its racist depictions. So I haven't seen Gone with the Wind in a long fucking time. All I really recall about the movie was that a black woman, you know, won an Oscar for the movie and she won an Oscar depicting more of a mammy-esque role in terms of a heavyset black woman who nature, nurtured and pampered, you know, these, these white folk on the plantation. That's my recollection of the movie. Perhaps there's more. Don't really give a shit. But that's my recollection of the movie. Um... Is the movie offensive? I don't know. I haven't seen it. But here's the thing. I don't own HBO. Don't own, you know, I'm not the CEO of HBO Max. If they decide to take the movie off because they don't want to show it anymore, guess what? They take it the fuck off. I'm not going to lose any sleep over not seeing fucking Gone with the Wind. Um, I think there's enough places where you can watch Gone with the Wind. You can purchase the movie. The movie's not been outlawed. It's simply HBO said, hey, of all the shit we can show, we're deciding not to show this movie. And white people are upset. Megyn Kelly, uh, the last time we heard of Megyn Kelly, I believe she decided to do a segment on her talk show, daytime talk show, uh, Defending Blackface. So she has come out of her cave and she has decided that she is going to make the stand on the hill of Gone with the Wind. It's just gone too far when you decide to take out Gone with the Wind. These niggers are just, just getting too up, too uppity. So, you know, it's amazing that they can look to lure you into arguments about Gone with the fucking Wind. Kneeling during a football game and the rename of a military base is while literally the fucking world is burning. Like shit is on fire and these are the things that he's going to throw out there to distract you from the fact that over a thousand citizens of the United States of America are fucking dying every day from a disease and there is no cure. That's what's going on. So let me read you, and it's, it's always great to look at some of the folks that uh, Trump has appointed in their position. So let's go back to one of my favorite dudes, Larry Kudlow, or maybe they just call him Larry Blow. Who knows? I just know I fuck with Larry. I find him to be an interesting personality because I think he has stolen so much money, allegedly, um, pilfered so much money, allegedly made so much money allegedly 
that he just feels empowered to say anything he fucking wants. So here's my boy, Larry Cudblow. <laughs> That's his new name is Cudblow. I'm going to call him that in case uh, you are new to the podcast. Uh, Larry, if you can Google this, these are facts. There's not things that I'm making up. These are things that he's actually admitted to had a severe cocaine problem so much so that Bear Stearns fired him. That's why he's not in the financial services industry. You know where Trump got him? He, he got him off of CNBC. He did so much drugs that the whole financial services industry was like, yo, we can't fuck with you. And he ended up going to television. So here's my boy, Cudblow. I don't believe there's systematic racism in the U.S., Cudblow says. I'm not going to get into a long riff on it. He pointed to the Trump administration's efforts to support historically black colleges and universities, as well as its work on criminal justice reform and opportunity zones. We do believe that the returning to growth and prosperity creates opportunities for everyone, he says. Pressed repeatedly on whether he believes systematic racism exists, Cudblow said no. So let's again just think about this in the context of this man's career. He has snorted up so much fucking cocaine that Bear Stearns and every other company in the financial services industry could no longer employ him. He then fell into a fucking job on CNBC. Number one, he's not even an economist. He doesn't even have a degree, an economics degree. This is real facts. Okay. He falls his way into a job on CNBC. Trump, who can't fucking, or whatever the reason is, refuses to read, doesn't like to read. You, you make it up. You figure that piece out. But he gets all his information from television. Weiss what he hears on television and hires Cudblow. Ask yourself, and you want to ask Cudblow, if you would just literally put him, strapped him to a chair, put him in a lie detector test, or better yet, put him at a table, put down a fucking a ball of cocaine and said, cut blow. If you answer this, honestly, we'll give you said eight ball. Do you think a black man who has ingested as much cocaine as you have, sir, would have any job, any job at law, let alone one that allows you to advise the fucking president. And if he agrees or if he can concede that a black man would not have the same fucking opportunities that this fucking coke hound has, then that's all we have to talk about. Like, there's nothing more that I need to hear from this fucker. This is a guy who told you there was nothing to fear with the pandemic. This is a guy who told you that you didn't need to shut down the economy. We didn't need to have stay in home orders. We didn't need to have a quarantine. That everything would work itself out. And now this fucker wants to say with a straight face, that there is no systematic racism after literally black men have been assassinated in this country consistently for the last 400 years. This is what this motherfucker has to say. So here's the rub and here's the reality for the president, right? So he's got these kind of hard right guys. Then he's got, you know, kind of what you would call moderates. I still believe them to be hard right, but lesser, let's call them hard right light. You know, so Jared Kushner leads that wing of the party. 
And Jared is trying to get this fucker reelected. So he's like, hey, 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 we got to do something. Because remember, this whole concept about criminal reform, in my mind, was just very simplistic. Right? I mean, think about the things that they've listed here. We gave some money to historically black colleges to keep the niggas segregated. So you stay in these black colleges. Don't go to any other college. Look, it has been one of the underpinnings of bigots since, literally since the beginning of this country to make the argument of separate but not equal. Now, I'm happy that if these historically black colleges have received funds. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just going back to what is the underlying thought process behind these white folk wanting to give these monies to these black schools. It is one of separate but not equal. And the whole concept that somehow I should vote for you because you release some black folk into the street who are only going to get locked up again, if not killed, by the same fucking police force. Again, why does that help me? Why would I vote for you based upon those two things? So, we've got to figure something out, right? This is, again, Jared talking to Trump and saying, hey, we got to, you know, give some type of olive branches. It's been like 10 days. Motherfuckers been in the street protesting. We got to sound like we've, we're, we're at least sensitive to this issue. You know, we've got to figure out, we at least give a fuck about the issue. So, what do these dudes do? They do what they always do. <coughs> Excuse me. They go out and they find a token nigga to carry the fucking water. You you go out there. You you do it. And the token that they have found this time is the token that literally who else could they get? So Kanye kind of already kind of fell back from the MAGA shit. Who else do you have besides my homie Tim motherfucking Scott? So let me just read some things, and it's, it's, it's great, as I always say, to me, as much as we should focus on the message, I think it's appropriate to focus on the context of the messenger. So, white folk in the White House, hey, we got to do something. What do we should do? What do we do? Look around, because I, mean, I, I think the highest ranking guys, like an adept, well, first of all, it's Ben Carson. And Ben Carson is the guy who literally is just so whacked out of his mind. There's a picture, there's a painting. So he had somebody paint this. He's up in his, you know, living room of his house. And like him and Jesus like hanging out. They're like side by side buddies hanging out. This is a weird type of guy. I'm not even going to get into all of the, just the bizarre things that, uh, you know, this dude has said. But Ben Carson, you can't get Ben Carson out there. He's already done enough. He's already stepped on his dick enough. Who else can we get out there? We get to my man. They look around. So there's one black senator, Republican senator. His name is Tim Scott. So we look around. All right, you know, Tim. I don't think there's any. I, I, I could not. I cannot recall, and I'm pretty confident on this. I don't recall any black uh, representatives uh, that are Republican in the, in, the, in, the, in the House. But there's one black dude, one black Republican in the Senate. And his name is Tim Scott. So they're like, all right, let's bring Tim out here. Tim will save us. And so I'm going to read from this. Uh, Senate Republicans have tried to send signals that they are interested in coming up with proposals on their own. 
Senator Tim Scott, the only black Republican in the Senate, has been tasked with leading the effort. We've included a meeting late Tuesday with White House Chief of Staff, Mark Stop Fucking Crying Meadows, and Jared Kushner. Now, I don't want to get into, we talked about this on an earlier podcast, all the crying that Mark Meadows does, but he is um, known as a habitual crier. And then you just have Jared Kushner, and then you have Tim Scott. So, before we get into what Tim Scott has proposed, I want to just give you some facts about Tim Scott and their things that you can find on the internet. Um, they come from reputable newspapers, so I'm assuming that, let's say 90% of this is true. Um, this, this is so amazing. This is a real guy, okay? The, uh, the evangelical Christian who entered public life as a 30-year-old virgin admits he no longer, after 16 public years in life, is a virgin. Representative, this is before he was in the Senate, he was a representative, and uh, Tim Scott first campaigned across South Carolina as a proud 30-year-old virgin, unabashed about his Christian faith and his devotion to God's commandments. That pledge of abstinence has not survived his career in politics. After 16 years in public life and winning a seat in the U.S. Senate, Scott now, at the time, 46, still unmarried, admits he is no longer a virgin. This is, just, <laughs> this is not even the best part of the story. Um, the congressman recently attracted controversy when it was revealed he brought along a female friend on a junket to an exclusive resort. So let's just make sure. So it's like, you know, he had spent 16 years in public life telling people that he was a virgin. I don't even know. There's many questions on why you would tell people you are a virgin. Like, to me, that's like some personal shit. I personally, first of all, I don't believe it. Um, but if that is indeed true, like, why would you tell people that? Why would you share that with folk? I feel like that was some shit that would be between, like, you and your hand and some tissues. I don't know. But anyways, Tim Scott, um, 16 years in life, now comes out as at least he's acknowledged that he has had sex. We don't know if he's had sex with a man or a woman, but he's acknowledged now he is, you know, he, he, he is familiar with women. So he gets busted because he takes this chick to this exclusive resort. So the information came to light when he notified House Ethics Committee that he had to pay back a conservative think tank for the part of a three-day getaway because he invited Z Patel, a lingerie store manager, to stay with him instead of his aunt. First off, kudos to you, Tim Scott. I know if it was me and I had a choice of my aunt and a lingerie store owner, I'd probably go uh, with the lingerie store owner. I don't know what she looks like, but I'm assuming, you know, hopefully she looks better than the aunt. Um, so he was he was dating the lingerie store owner for a minute. Oh, excuse me. She was a manager. She owned the store. She was the manager. So... <laughs> So then I want to fast forward to another story. Uh, Scott's relationship with the Indian hottie. Now she's a hottie who he referred to, who Scott referred to publicly as a close family friend. I guess you got to call him something when you fucking him. Uh, became public knowledge last spring when again Patel went with him to this exhort, to this resort. Uh, closest, closest. So Tim Scott claimed that it was a mutual parting of the ways. 
closest sources close to Patel confirmed the two were no longer romantically involved, but they disputed the mutual nature of the breakup, claiming he just stopped calling her. <laughs> so this is Tim Scott. Like to me, if a dude can't be honest with you about fucking, like what can he be honest with you about? Like if he can look you in the eye. I mean, I was, I mean, look, you, you can make it, maybe it's more plausible if you're like a priest or something, because you know, you're, you're in the church, but for you to just to be like, Hey man, I've spent the last 16 years not fucking anybody because of my love to God. I'm like, I don't look, first of all, Tim Scott could have always in any point in time, he could have gotten married, but I guess. I don't know, cause that's. I mean, if he's a you know kind of you know devout Christian as he claims to be, one would think that marriage would be the pathway that he would go. But maybe you know Tim Scott's very picky in the caliber of lingerie store uh, management that he fucks with, and so he just hasn't found the right babe yet. So for forty six years, at that point in time, I believe uh, Tim Scott now is uh, easily fifty five years old. 56 years old so he's 56 years old never been married um we have at least one woman that we know that he is you know at least dated to some degree but that's about it i call bullshit i think there's more to the story of tim scott but let's just leave that there but the point that i would make about his uh you know again i would make is if a motherfucker can't be honest with you about his sexuality how can you trust this motherfucker to be honest with you about anything, including race relations? So let me just say, since it came out that Tim Scott was going to solve the, the nigger problem, they brought Tim Scott out there to solve the black folk problem that people have been, you know, getting at him and saying shit to him on, you know, social media about this. So here is his ferocious. And this was, this was a, called epic i believe uh, by fox news his clapback not surprising the last this is from again i'm quoting tim scott here on using via social media not surprising the last 20 hours have seen a lot of token boy or you're being used in my mentions let's get this straight you don't want a person who has faced racial profiling by the police been pulled over dozens of times or been speaking about this for years drafting this well here's some things one i don't recall tim scott saying anything about michael brown tamir rice i could go on the litany of black folk who have been killed systematically by the police i don't recall tim scott saying shit so maybe he has it just didn't come up in the Google search. You know, his uh, bogus claim of abstinence really took up a lot of the reading. So let's set that aside for a second. Here's the argument that Tim Scott himself in his own words has used for his own credibility. I have I can solve for the issue because I have faced discrimination. Well, if that's the only criteria you need, if that's the bar that allows you to speak and 
and promulgate legislation to solve for this issue is discrimination, if that's it, then literally we should get my 15-year-old daughter. She's been discriminated against. So therefore, using Tim Scott's rationale, she should be able to, to, to draft legislation to address this issue. So any black folk, any black person in America, because racism is systematic, now should be able to walk into Trump's office and give him legislation, say, here, here's how you fix the problem. Because the only criteria that Tim Scott has been able to raise is, hey, I'm black too. People call me nigga too. What are you, like again, this is Tim Scott. Like this is this is what this is the best argument that he could come up with. And he says, and don't throw you're the only black guy they know. Um that is true. You literally are the only black you know, it's you and Ben Carson. I'm sorry. They picked you over Ben Carson. There was two of you. He says there are only two black uh there are only two black democratic senators. Stop pretending that there's some huge racial diversity gap in the Senate. Ask my dim colleagues whether what their staffs look like. I guarantee you won't like the answer. So here's the deal, and I want to make sure, and I'm sure Tim Scott will never hear this podcast, so I don't have to worry too much. Here's the thing, and I want to make sure it's great when people use these kind of rhetorical devices in dialogue to get you to focus off of the actual item that we are discussing. Diversity as it relates to the composition of the Senate is a shame. But what in fuck's name does that have to do with a black man being executed on the streets of Minneapolis? See, he wants you to focus on anything other than what really is going on. So now we've got Tim and he's got this comment and he's like, hey, you know, don't tell me this. There's only, there's only two black senators. So what do you mean? Let's be real. The, the lack of diversity in the Senate is deplorable. But that's the banana in the tailpipe. The real issue here is you can't even get out of the Senate an anti-lynching bill. Let me make sure that you heard me correctly because I think some of us are like, what? That's just, this is real. The United States Senate has been trying fruitlessly to pass an anti-lynching bill. They can't get it through the Senate. So I would argue whether there was one Tim Scott or they found 20 Tim Scotts to be Republican senators as long as they are carrying water for this president. As long as they're embracing this agenda of this president, it doesn't matter if they're black. In the words of Michael Jackson, it doesn't matter if they're black or white. 
It doesn't fucking matter. And for Tim Scott to make the argument that somehow because he is black, that allows him to have some type of status to make decisions or to promulgate rules or laws that are somehow just for black folk. There have been coons, Uncle Tom's, sellouts, whatever you want to call it, since the house niggas, since the beginning of fucking U.S. history. So therefore, Tim Scott's presence is not new. It is just amazing that Tim Scott has the temerity to say these things with a straight face. So let me read a little bit more about, or read you a little bit more about Mr. Scott. In 2001, the United States Justice Department sued Charleston, South Carolina for racial discrimination under the Voting Rights Act, based on it having all of its council seats elected at large. The DOJ had attempted to negotiate with county officials on this issue in November 2000. Justice officials noted that at-large seats diluted the voting strength of the significant African-American minorities minority in the county, who in 2000 made up 34.5% of the population. They had been unable to elect any candidates of their choice for years. Whites or Europeans are 61.9% of the county population. County officials noted that the majority of voters in 1989 had approved electing members by at large in a popular referendum. So let's go back and boil this down. This is in 2001, so in January. So Bush came into office in 2001. I'm not sure whether this was done under the Clinton Justice Department or the Bush Justice Department, but no, but but irrespective, this happened in 2001 in terms of the Justice Department stepping in and suing Charleston because of how they were treating black voters and representation in the state. Tim Scott, the only African-American member of the council of the, of the county council, has said this about the case and the alternative electing council members for single member districts. Basically, Tim Scott says, yo, it doesn't matter. Like, this is the guy who literally has said it didn't matter. South Carolinians, Carolinians can vote anyone they want. And it works because they have voted for me. And you wanted to say to Tim Scott, just because you're black doesn't mean you're an advocate for black issues. Just because you have faced discrimination in your life does not somehow give you a free pass for advocating for black issues. But apparently that's not the way Tim Scott sees things. So a couple other things I want to read about Tim Scott here before we get into his proposal. In March 2011, Scott's co-sponsored a welfare reform bill that would deny food stamps to families whose incomes were lowered to the point of ineligibility because a family member was participating in a labor strike. Uh, Tim Scott declined to join the Congressional Black Caucus when he was in the House. So again, this is a guy who has demonstrated, not through lip service, by the things that he has actually voted for, that he gives zero fucks about black folk. 
but he wants to use as a shield his black skin. I can't be, I can't be a boy, I can't be a token, look at my black skin. I've gone through the same things that you've gone through. That's literally the banana in the fucking tailpipe. So, I don't want to ruin the surprise, because I guess it's, it's going to be rolled out tomorrow, but basically, here's the draft that CNN got of this, you know, this uh, agenda, or this legislation, or framework for legislation that Tim Scott is going to be pushing. It said it focuses on reporting, accountability, training, and relations. It would use condition. It would it would condition grant funding on reporting on the use of of the force that caused death or injury. Seeks increasing funding for body worn cameras and penalties for failing to use them, and to establish a new independent commission to conduct a comprehensive review, comprehensive review of the criminal justice system, and make recommendations for reform, among other ideas. So here's what. Tim Scott wants to do. Okay? I just want to make sure you understand this. He wants con to condition grant funding for police on reporting on the use of force. He wants uh, more body cams and penalties for failing to use them. And then he'll create some type of commission. Nowhere in what has been proposed are chokeholds outlaw banned or outlawed. Um, nowhere is it, is it looked to strip the indemnification that police officers have, this blanket immunity that police officers have that allows them to commit these crimes without civil penalties. None of these real issues as it relates to police, police enforcement, he's going to deal with. But the optics that the Trump White House likes is that there's a black dude who's going to dance out on stage and throw out some fucking bullshit. And that hopefully will make white people, because again, this is not geared towards black folk. This is geared towards suburban moms. This is what this is geared towards to say, hey, Trump really does care. So I don't know. You know, it, it's, it's a crazy, crazy time. I wish everybody the best. You know, I, I do hope that Tim Scott you know, comes to some type of realization that somehow, although he is a black man, and I'm glad that he acknowledges that he is a black man, that in and of itself does not make you black. And what I mean by that, that in and of itself does not mean that you represent the needs of black folk. It just means you're a black man. Yo, as always, I want to end the pod by telling everybody, again, there's a pandemic. It's continuing to spread. Please stay safe. Stay situated. Stay calm. Stay positive. Peace.